The margin is slim, slim, slim. The debate might be the best about basketball, but how are we actually supposed to know? And Sarah Todd joins us for the final day of our off-season interview series with the Utah Sports Writer of the Year. It's next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Today, we finish up tiers one and two of Seth Partnow's tier series, and it's the best, most interesting debate in the game. So we'll do that here in a second. FIBA's underway. Tough day for our guys. We'll touch on that. And then Sarah Todd joins us on the program to talk about when do the Jazz make the playoffs next, most intriguing players, and the Western Conference and how it all lays out. That's what's coming up on today's program. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen to the everydayers. Tip of the hat. Appreciate you immensely. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Please leave us a five-star review. Give us a little thumbs up. Subscribe. Greatly appreciate that if you can do it. And uh, thank you for making time for Locked on Jazz. All right. Uh, Underway in FIBA. France is about to get blasted by Canada as I'm recording this. I was watching it. It was close. Um, And then... Uh, Canada just blew them out in the second half. Canada might be the best team out there. This could be really exciting to watch Canada in the U.S. Uh, Clarkson had 28-7-7 and today in Filipino in the Philippines' loss. Uh, a tough one against the Dominican Republic. They really needed to win that game in their pool. They play Angola next. Jordan did foul out late, but 28-7-7. and Both Lowry and Jordan just aren't playing with anyone, right? Finland and the Philippines. Lowry was in 7-17. of 1-7 of seven from 3 today at 19-8-4. They got blown out. Uh, by Australia, Joe had seven, uh, 13, 4, and 2. Dante had 10 points, 2 rebounds, 4 assists. And then uh, Simone got the win. They played Angola. Uh, and Simone had 11 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Hit eight of, uh, or excuse me, had 19 points. He had 8 of 14 uh, shooting. So good for Simone. All right, let's go back to Seth Partnow's tiers. Um, the other day we talked about tier 3, right? And it was like, who's the players most likely to make the jump from tier 3? And it was Anthony Edwards or Lowry Markin in a little bit. And then this is where the difference in this stuff is so slim and so interesting. The next tier of players for Seth Park now is Jamal Murray has earned that with his incredible playoff play over the years. Paul George, James Harden, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So Seth's saying, hey, Anthony Edwards, like Shea's already made the jump in his mind into tier two. What, what's really interesting about where we are in these tiers of NBA players. And we've been and, and Seth part now on the athletic does these five tiers of players. And we've been talking about them over the week over the last few weeks is you, there's really 11 players that make you win in this league. And this is what's so hard about building a franchise is you've got to get one of the 11. What's then also so fascinating is like, what is really the difference between Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brunson, Lowry Markin, and, and then his next tier of bet, Jamal Murray, Paul George, James Harden, who he admits is kind of questionable right now, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like, that is so thin. Like, Shea better than Anthony Edwards? So thin. Shea better than Donovan? So thin. Now, 
Shea gets into the lane, you know, kind of like Luca does and some of these other guys and is able to get able to get that done. And just maybe, and, and that's what his separator is. Um, Jamal Murray has the playoff success. He has 50, 40, 90, and like 50 playoff games. So that probably earns him that. Um, but that's so thin. And then the next tier is equally as thin. And, th- and like, how do you know that Jamal Murray is going to be like better than Anthony? And is how long is Jamal Edward uh, Murray going to be better than Anthony Edwards? I don't know. And how long is Shea Gilgis Alexander going to be better than Anthony Edwards? And can Lowry Markin make that jump? And does Donovan have the jump to go can, to be in that tier of players? And is there like it's not defined to me if there's a there's not like a skill in there that I'm suddenly saying to myself like oh well you have to have that and he's missing that like. Donovan's might just be size, frankly, at 6'1". Shea's 6'6". Jamal Murray and Donovan, we saw it in that playoff series, are pretty similar, right? Like, it's hard to differentiate between those two on any great level. Um, So I, I, I I love this debate. And then the next tier of this debate is even more interesting. So he, he goes to 2A, and then he goes to tier 1. And really what he's got is 11 players. And there's 11 players in the NBA that if they're on your roster, you probably have a chance to win it, right? So Jokic, Steph, and Giannis are, are the elite of the league, followed by Luka, Embiid, and Durant. So those six are really, really the elite of this league. And if they're on your roster, you're going to win. And then there's the next five players that are the same as true. If Kawhi Leonard, if Jimmy Butler, if Jason Tatum, if um, LeBron James... And of course, I can't read my writing on one of the guys. Um, and it's probably should be really obvious to me who that 11th player is. But you're going to have to roll with me for a second because I can't I I'm not sure um, is those guys are your next guys. What to me is so kind of crazy, fascinating about this is the name I could not read is. um. Uh, I'll have to figure it out. Um, who is that? Oh, Devin Booker. Devin Booker. Devin Booker has elevated from Shea Gilgis Alexander, who elevated from and Jamal Murray, who elevated from Donovan, Jalen Brunson, and uh Anthony Edwards. Like there's the tiers it goes. There's there's a middle tier in here I haven't mentioned that I think is really interesting. It's why I'm getting to it. So you have those 11, right? So those 11 again are Jokic, Steph, Giannis, no question. Luka and B. Durant, no question. LeBron, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard. Those are your 11. And if you have those 11, what's interesting is he has this like next little tier, which is Damian Lillard, John Morant, and Anthony Edwards. And if Damian Lillard, John Morant, or Anthony Edwards is your best player, how far do you go? It's a really interesting, like, this is how hard it is to win. I love this exercise by Seth Partner on The Athletic. And I love these debates because one of the things I think that is the biggest misunderstood thing about the NBA is how incredibly ridiculously good these players are and how incredibly hard it is to win. Those are the two things that, like, when I talk to people and they ask me about the league and what it's like, those are the two things that I bring up more than anything else. How incredibly difficult it is to win and how incredibly great these players are. And so Dame Lillard, Hall of Famer. John Morant, Hall of Famer. Anthony Davis, Hall of Famer MVP. Caliber player. 
if they're your best player, how far do you go? That's crazy. That's a legitimate discussion. Like, Jaw has not gotten out of the second round. Dame has one kind of weird run to the Western Conference Finals. And Anthony Davis, until he was LeBron. Like, the Lakers are really interesting. Everyone's high on the Lakers this year. It's 100% up to Anthony Davis at this point. Because LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to flip. And Anthony Davis is going to be better than LeBron. And then how good is Anthony Davis? Now, you got LeBron with you. It's pretty great. So, I find, I love this. Like, if we're really, and, and Seth says it so well, right? Like, the Tier 1 player leads to three times more win than the Tier 3 player. The Tier 3 players are super interesting. The Lowry's, the Donovan's, the Jalen Brunson's, the Anthony Edwards. Those guys, like, who's going to make that next jump into the league? And, and even the Trey Youngs and the Kyrie Irvings, who are kind of trust issues and can they straighten those things out and become that? That's fascinating to me. And how do they become Jamal Murray or Shea Gilgis Alexander? And then what separates Shea Gilgis? Like, does Shea Gilgis Alexander go catch John Morant? And how does John Morant get into that 11? And how, and and does Dame just, for a Hall of Fame, unbelievable career, just kind of sit at 13 and 12 for his entire career? as like the 12th best player, which is just not quite enough to go get yourself into these places. It's incredible. And from a jazz team building standpoint, this is why this route takes such patience is so difficult. Why you do the process? Cause you've got to hit that, that, that guy, you've got to find that guy. Like we talked like, you know, can you, can you trade for some of these players? Can you do some of these things? Yeah. Like, you know, Pascal Siakam, I think was a tier three or tier three player. Like, can you, you can go get him and he, you have two tier three players in Siakam and Lowry. Like, what does that do? Like you're better. I mean, the fact of the matter is I was on with uh, Jake and Ben the other day. I was like, well, I mean, if you want to 50 games, go get James Harden. Cause like James Harden is actually probably still a tier two player that goes and gets you 50. Can't might, might not one of the greatest offensive players ever might not be good enough to be one of the 11 anymore. But, he, but you go put James Harden on our team, we probably win 50. You gotta have James Harden on your team, but you might win 50. Right? We're really, you put James Harden on this team, you're really good. Mike Kessler, Harden, Collins, Lowry. Like, that's a good team. I don't know if it matches what we want to do. So I love this. Like, and we could debate it forever. I could go back and forth. We could have people on. Maybe, maybe we'll do a round table with TJ and uh, Sarah. And uh, Ben Anderson's gonna join us next week from the, from the zone. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of great stuff. Sarah Todd is next. We'll continue with our interview series. Could we please send NBA at NBA Sarah? a Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's the first time she's ever come on locked on jazz. I don't think she's ever felt the love of the locked on jazz listener. That is so awesome. If you could take a second on X and Twitter, whatever, and send an at NBA Sarah, a little love and thank her for taking the time to come on the show. It would be greatly appreciated. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai lineup of cars, just absolutely terrific. The I'm driving one of the new Santa Fe's. They're just great. I have the Ionic 5, the Ionic 6. I was down there again, Googling, 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 Woggling at the Ionic 6, wanting it. Just was so close. Did not pull the trigger. Could not write that last. Ah, I have the 5. It's so good. If I didn't have the 5, I'd get the 6. Such a cool-looking car. Uh, such a great lineup of cars. They have hit the sweet spot on how to get you a decent price and incredible services and value. And you get the Murdoch, Murdoch's no regrets policy. If you're going to head down to any of the locations, please email me first, whether you're going to Linden 
Logan, or at 4646 South State Street. And let me set you up with the Locked On VIP meeting that you as an everydayer deserve. So email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Intercap Lending. Intercap Lending, giving you the best lending opportunities with Steve Carter, our own personal loan officer. There's really no one better. We've all said it. It's a funky little world. The rates still do things. There's a lot of options. If, you, if you're in the market right now and you get something done, the way to get it done is with Steve Carter because he's creative. He's going to help you out. Intercap is gets, gets loans done. That's why they keep growing and growing and growing. So let Steve help you out. Again, you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and we'll take care of you. Or uh, you can call Steve directly if you don't want me involved in any of your business, which I totally understand. But just if you're going to do it, make sure you let Steve know uh, that you're with Locked On and you get the VIP uh, treatment. Here are the numbers for you. You can email me, as I said, at uh, dlock09 at gmail.com and I will make sure you get set up. Otherwise, Feel free to reach out to Steve. His direct line number is 385-800-8528, 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 19-04-65. And before we get to Sarah Todd, let me remind you one last thing. If you're looking to get going in the weekend, get some fun going with the NFL, FanDuel has got the answer for you uh, with all the excitement uh, over at FanDuel with the NFL season here for you. What what do we have for you? This is pretty fun because um, it's a season-long uh, fun for you. And that is go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And then here's the great deal for you with FanDuel. You bet your Super Bowl winner and you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you get bonus bets for every victory. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to earn your bonus bets on America's number one sports book, Thanks. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And FanDuel's got um, the FanDuel Sportsbook has all sorts of NBA odds as well as FIBA basketball odds. If you want to get involved in that right now over the FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, you can bet any of the NBA awards coming up, but you can also get involved in all the basketball stuff that's taking place right now uh, with the World, the FIBA World Cup. Uh, or the WNBA, or opening night lines as well. FIBA World Cup, by the way, USA is the uh, favorite uh, to win it, but Canada is tight on number two on that one. Um, And you can vote by the group as well if you'd like to, or you can just watch the USA, I think, play Sweden in their first matchup, and uh, or New Zealand, and they're a 36.5-point favorite. 36.5-point favorite. All right, please, thank yous to at NBA Sarah. Would be much appreciated. for her time with us on the program. It's been a special treat all week long to have Sarah Todd with us, Utah's sports writer of the year, Desert News Jazz beat writer, send her a thank you at NBA Sarah, please. Um, all right, we didn't get to it. In our first day of the week, you kind of alluded to, I thought you was the most intriguing player to you. You can change that. Nobody may remember. The everydayers were with us. They, they may remember. Um, who is your most intriguing player in this season for the Utah Jazz? Yeah, probably there. I this could go a couple ways. It's either Colin Sexton because we don't know what he is on this team yet, or it's Lowry Markinen because I mean we could be watching a guy become an absolute superstar, which would be mammoth. Yeah, it would. I mean, there were times last year where really like it's it's hard to remember how great he was. Like he was, he was every bit elite. That there isn't a league. There were some signs that as the year went on, he wore down. Teams changed on him. His teammates became less good. He became less efficient. 
But there were also like that was the first time anyone asked him. And I still think one of the most interesting parts of that story is like the, the film session where Will Hardy says to the guys like you guys all know Lowry's the best player on this team, right? Like you guys all got it. Like this is loud. Like, La well, this is the first offseason that Lowry's ever had unique as it was in which he's going into the offseason knowing like, oh, I'm the man like this is my team like I that that changes the way you come into a season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially because during the offseason last year, he was traded. And so then you get feelings of like, like it's impossible as a player who's not maybe like a top tier guy. When you were traded, you definitely are like, well, why didn't the other team want me? Right? Like, am I being traded away from someone or am I being traded to someone? Like, there, there's a different way of thinking about that. And like, that can mess with everybody's psyche. And so to have that be last season and then this season to know, like, I think I might have found a home. And not only that, but like, I'm the guy at that home. Well, right. Because inside 12 months, he basically gets told twice, we can do without you. Right. Exactly. Chicago literally is like, we're done. Like, yep. Right. He didn't sign for very much in Cleveland and they didn't match it. And then Cleveland said, we're, we're hey, it was for Donovan, but we're still. Right. But I, I have the Joe Ingles corollary about trades. So Joe Ingles got traded to Portland after he tore his ACL and it saved the franchise like a ton of luxury tax money. Like it was, it was the single most logical trade right. that's ever been made in the history of the league. Yeah. And he was so pissed. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, if like if that trade pisses the guy off then every trade that's ever been made in the history of the NBA has pissed the guy off who got traded. Well, and it's, uh, and you know, to call back to the Joe Ingles thing, it's not like Joe didn't know that it was coming, right? right, 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 like, right, right. He definitely knew it was coming and he was still pissed. He was so mad about it and like rebuffed. And so, yeah, like there's not a guy in the NBA who doesn't have a thought like, oh, they're giving up on me. Right. All right. Let's play here for just a quick second. This could we could get into a deep rabbit hole here, but I still think it's what's going to make training camp amazing. It's going to make the first twenty five games of the season amazing. Like, without have you gotten into figured out what the rotation of this roster is? Like, it, and it does play in a little bit to like how Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks develop. So I'll, I'll ask that more specifically in a second. But like, have you? Like I said, okay, you got Jordan or Colin on the floor at all times, right? So like, how, where does Kelly fit, and and how does he and John Collins fit, and then who's Lowry's backup, and who's playing backup five, and how you're playing nine, maybe ten? Like, what is your thoughts on what this rotation is, and who's in and who's out? Yeah, I think uh, you know, going back to day one when we were talking, there is a lot of stuff on this roster that is not easy to project because, like, while I think that there is going to be a certain you know, starting unit of five, what I, what I would personally do would be a different starting unit. What I would personally do for the, you know, bench rotation would be different. And there's so many variables that could happen. What if, you know, God forbid, like knocking on wood, like what if Taylor Hendricks or Keontae George, like have a season ending injury, right? Like those things happen in the NBA and that really, really could change the trajectory of what the rotation is going to look like between, you know, November and April. And so there are a lot of intangibles, a lot of variables and also the trade deadline. Like I, I think we would all be negligent to think that the jazz aren't going to be busy this year. <laughs> well, go back to day one of our conversation this week. So you said you thought Taylor Horton Tucker would start, right? I thought Jordan Clarkson and Ochai Abaji would start. Mm -hmm. 
Tony Jones, I think, had Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson starting. And you said you would prefer Chris Dunn and Jordan Clarkson starting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's four. Then part two of that is, if you actually just isolate what you've said, which is Chris Dunn and Jordan Clarkson, or Taylor Horton Tucker and Jordan Clarkson, I think, not certain, because there's no certainty here, but I think that whoever in those two scenarios doesn't start actually isn't in the rotation. Right. And that's the thing is like, I think there's going to be a lot that we discover within the first two weeks of the season uh, about, because there's going to be a lot of questions. I'm actually writing about this right now for the Deseret News. It's like, there's a lot of questions going into the season. Who's going to play point guard? What are the rotations going to look like? Where does Colin Sexton fit in? Some of these you can get an answer in the first couple of weeks. But some of the answers that you get may bring up more questions, right? Because if they're starting Taylor Horton Tucker, does that mean that he he's the choice for point guard? Or does it mean that they're trying to get trade value? If they start Chris Dunn and Taylor Horton Tucker is completely out of the rotation, is that because they're planning on using Chris Dunn long term? Or is that because Taylor has completely lost his spot and they're just going to let his contract expire? And so, like, there are a little bit of answers that we're going to get right off the bat in the first couple of weeks in the season, but it might just open the door to more questions. Who's your backup five minutes? Who's your backup three minutes? Right, exactly. And like, and that's, those are hard questions to answer too, because you've got uh, Taylor, John Collins, Walker Kessler, Kelly Olenek. Taylor, I mean, Taylor Hendricks is such a wild card at that spot because we haven't seen him play all. Like he hasn't played at all since, uh march april right right? march yeah yeah i mean you watch him run you just watch him move and you're like okay i'm in but he's super young had a great year has great touch has all i mean every skill imaginable that's why he goes nine like you absolutely grab him nine how ready is he when i watched his film i didn't think he always moved in the right spot or understood the game correctly i thought he clogged up lanes a little bit offensively like i think there's a lot of learning for him to do like i defensively he's really smart though right right college defense and how much his college defense looks to me like it translates more than some others, but like, right. I'll never forget watching Jerese Walker's tape um, from Houston. And like, he's coming four steps away right. to block that shot on the weak side. Like in the NBA, you're coming 14 steps away to come from a weak side block shot. Cause the floor spread. Right. It's such a different thing. So that's, an, that's another challenge. And that. I mean, one of the things that goes into this is like it, news that I tweeted out literally as we're recording this is that Keontae George has been cleared now for all on-court activities after that sprained ankle in summer league. And so that's going to play into it too. It's like, okay, so part of the summer he couldn't do anything. Now he's going to be ramping up again, just like Taylor and Bryce were ramping up like during summer league. So is that going to, is that going to back like set back his timeline at all? Maybe when training camp starts, he's not exactly where he would have been if he would have been able to train all summer. Maybe that means a little bit of a slow start to the season. Maybe that means a little bit of a, you know, everything is set back a little bit in terms of his development. I also might argue that a month off for these poor college kids who go straight out of the college into draft workouts, into the draft, into summer league is maybe the greatest thing ever. All right. Rookie development. Give me Taylor Hendricks path. What do you expect Taylor Hendricks path this year to be like, where's he playing? When's he playing? How's he playing? What's his path? Yeah, there's, there's no reason to think that Taylor Hendricks is not going to be getting like solid backup minutes as the season kind of moves on. I mean, if we're talking like end of October, November, 
maybe these guys need a little bit of time to actually get into the rotation. Maybe their minutes aren't, maybe it's nine a night for Taylor. Right. But then as the season goes on, like I would expect him to end the year playing, you know, between 18 and 20 minutes a night. Keontae George's path. I mean, that's, I, that's one of the most interesting things because I was really low on Keontae as a draft pick. If I'm being honest, like I would, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, meh, I don't know. Sure. Whatever. You know, 16, use the, use the pick swing for it. Um, but seeing what he did in summer league, um, mostly I'm just impressed that he's able to keep, if he is able to keep the assist to turnover ratio down, because that was a problem in college for him. I mean, it was a negative. The fact that it was a turnover and assist ratio. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was negative. And so uh, if he's able to play like that, which he feels, it seems that he's really sincere in really wanting to prove it. Uh, then he has the chance to either be like the solid supporting point guard on this team or becoming the starting point guard on this team. Be interesting to see. I mean, I think um, he was lighter. He was bouncier. Yeah. He just wasn't like the player we watched at Baylor was not the player that showed up. Like a very, Absolutely day, not. I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Watching tape on him did not right. prepare me for watching him. Yeah, no, it was great. She's Sarah Todd. She's the Desert News Utah Jazz beat writer. She's the Utah Sports Writer of the Year. And she will join us for the final segment on this Friday edition as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Thanks a ton to Sarah. Please send her an a uh, thank you at NBA Sarah on the X on the Twitter on the thing of that nature. Uh, next week, we'll have another special interview guest. I'm going to keep it hidden and secret and surprised for you but we will the interview series will continue um as we go uh first year of the play-in tournament sarah do you like the or the not play-in the uh in-season tournament do you like the in-season tournament yeah i think you know there's a lot of people that were were thinking that players wouldn't care about this but i think because the you know the prize money is like i think it's five hundred thousand dollars right like goes to the winner <sighs> That's that's not a big deal. What would 500? I mean, who cares about right, Sarah? I mean, that's not a big deal to some players. <laughs> uh, tell Chris Dunn that, you know, in a few games, he could win half of his salary. And right. I think that it starts to mean a lot to some of the players. And so, like, you're going to have guys that are playing for each other for this because, uh, yeah, the players union, when they look at something like this, like that people forget that it's not just like the top players in the league that are a part of that. Like, it's also like the bottom players in the league who are getting vet minimums, who are on a $1 million, $800,000 contract. Like those are the people who are also part of this league and their teammates are really going to play for them. And so I think that, I think players are going to care a lot more than maybe people originally thought. The fact that it's, um, that they've blocked out November basically and been like, these are going to be the games that matter. It makes it really easy for fans to follow along. I'm, I'm pro I'm pro adding intrigue and interest. Um, as long as it, it doesn't make things weird. That's why I like the play in tournament as well. Uh, playing the games, the championship game in Vegas is yeah. Obviously the league wants more money. They like the market there. So sure. Why not go play a game there? You know, the one thing I, I thought was interesting is when it was all done, the ESPN did that special that day and all that yeah. stuff. And then we got the spreadsheet from 
the league sent out. That, and it actually just showed, like, okay, well, every game on Friday, November 3rd to kick this thing off is a play-in game, I think it was, or almost every game on that Friday is the way – or most – or there were six or eight games that day. You know, that there's a Tuesday where there's nine games they're playing games. Like, if they actually isolate it so that, like, every game that plays that day, well, you know, like, some of that stuff, like, you suddenly get that vibe that, like, oh, okay, this is, an, this is a relatively important thing. Like, the day after Thanksgiving, I think it was, like – there's like nine games that day that are playing games. It's like, or, or, or in season games. It's like, okay, that matters a little bit. Uh, let me ask you a big picture jazz question. The Utah jazz make the playoffs next in what year? I think they've got a chance to be a play in team next year. Okay. Like, I, I don't think that them making the playoffs is like a huge out of the realm of possibility. I mean, they were, they were in the running when they, uh, how can I put it kindly? Um, Acquired the, another draft pick when the when the front when the front office put one of Will Hardy's arms behind his back and made him coach with one hand, uh, <laughs> they they had a chance there to be a play-in team, and so I I think next year. All right, let's talk West. Yeah, your top four of the West are Nuggets. Yep. The Nuggets. Yep. <laughs> the Nuggets. Yep. <laughs> And then whoever else wants to try and beat the juggernaut. <laughs> you don't think you think they're you think that the Nuggets are absolutely the team to beat. I've seen listen, adding Bradley Beal to the Suns is interesting. Uh, but right now that's all on paper. Um because you, you, let me interrupt you for a second. You saw Bradley Beal a lot when you're in Philadelphia. And yep. I feel like he's like I really actually feel like from my standpoint where I've just don't have a vibe on him anymore. Right. At one point he was the best shooting guard in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Then he seemed like he was like the most empty numbers guy in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And I just don't feel it. And then you're not watching Washington because they were Washington because they were out of it so quickly every year. So you've probably seen him more in higher stake games than I have. What's your feel on Bradley Beal? I mean, my feel is that I think that he's been probably a little bit underrated. I think that for a a while early on people were really watching like you were saying but then people stopped watching and i think that he was still really good it just he was in a bad situation um and i i i think the same thing could have been said for like Kemba Walker, John Wall, like these guys who like never really got to play on a good team. Um but right now as we stand like you're listen as a 36-year-old myself, I understand that the that the NBA is weird in terms of years, but you're trading out Chris Paul for Bradley Beal. Like I do, maybe you get a little bit better shooting. Right. You know, it's it the the moves like this that have worked have been the Aaron Gordon and the Andrew Wiggins deals. So number one pick, number three, four pick of a draft, guys who when they played the number one role, they it didn't like Andrew Wiggins was underwhelming and Aaron Gordon. Like I remember. Aaron Gordon had this play against us, which like forever tarnished how I thought of him. Like they were in the midst of like a 10 2 run and he pulled up for an off the bounce three. And I was like, just no time and score relevance. And I was telling the story to a scout about this year when I was like, gosh, he's so good now and it's fits for me. He goes, you know, if you go back to that play, he thought he was the best player on the floor, rightfully so. Like the other guys on the floor were Gary Harris and Nikola Vucevic. Like he thought he was the best player on the floor and he probably was. He just wasn't good enough to do that. So those are the guys that like have taken that, you know, 
superstar expectation than rolled into a role player on a team with other stars. I mean, great. Bradley Beal's different than that. Like Bradley Beal's leading scorer in the NBA one year, if I remember correctly. Like it's interesting to see how he assimilates in what really is the third option, the way Andrew Wiggins and Aaron Gordon have assimilated into those teams and whether he can do that in the same fashion. Well, I mean, there's another difference too, which is that Aaron Gordon was what, 25 or 26. Uh, Same for Andrew Wiggins when he was traded to the Warriors. Like during those trades, they were still like about to hit their prime in what we look at as NBA prime, right? And um, Bradley Beal's 30, about to turn 31. So that's that's a difference. Like we're we're looking at a complete difference in like NBA career trajectory. And so I, I don't think that, I mean, I don't look at it as a bad deal. Like, I hope all the good things for Bradley Beal. I hope that he looks great on the Suns. I hope that he looks a lot better next to Devin Booker than uh, than Chris Paul did during the playoffs. Oh, wait, I didn't see him during the playoffs. No, you don't do that anymore. <laughs> all right, so you really see the Nuggets as just a – like, do you feel like the Nuggets are – we've gone through many years in the NBA – where the finals participants were foregone conclusions, right? Like the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls, the Golden State Warriors. Sure. Like, do you think we have a foregone conclusion in the Western Conference? I mean, I think we're very close to it. Okay. I'm The, the fact that I think it was the ease with which the Nuggets won things last year. It did not look difficult. No. Now I think that there are different, you know, you lose a little bit when without Bruce Brown on the team, you know, every, every team changes every year. Uh, And so they're going to have to win in a little bit different way, especially when you look at their bench. But I mean, you still have the best player in the game right now playing, you know, averaging a triple double through the playoffs. So, I mean, Hey, it it took them 20 games. Like, let's not just, let's like, let's not dismiss that fact that that's, that's really something. It took them 20 games. I'm going to push you again. Who's two, three, four for you in the West. Yeah. I think that I've stopped believing in the Clippers. And so on paper, back to where we very, our first minute of interview in this whole long fiasco over three days. Yeah. Um, because I don't know if anyone noticed this, but we haven't changed. I mean, I changed hats and we changed yeah. hats, but we haven't changed. Uh, <laughs> it does. I mean, the West is interesting because it's like, well, is Damian Lillard still in the West? Right. Is he playing with Scoot Henderson? Is Scoot actually going to be good year one? Because then maybe I'm putting the Blazers up there. But like, right. <laughs> I, it, it, the West is very hard for me. I mean, I don't, I don't want to count the Warriors out before... Uh, before the dynasty has completely blown up. And so maybe they're still up there. I think that Luka Doncic has a chance to be in the top five every year. Is he still going to be in Dallas? What happens in Dallas with that whole situation? Um, It's pretty wild. Who do you feel you're certain the Jazz are better than? I am certain that the Jazz are better than the Rockets. (laughs) Okay. I am certain also uh, to bring up, like, what is Memphis going to look like? What are we going to see with a team that's playing without Ja for a while? What are we going to see when Ja comes back? Uh, What does OKC look like? They started to look really good. I mean, Shea is, I mean, damn near an MVP playing. Can we go back to Memphis? I think it's going to be super interesting is that Marcus Smart is not a a light flower. He is going to own that team by the time Jaw comes back. He's not a slouch. <laughs> right. Like that's going to be like that, that he's going to put his stamp on that team. And then Jaw comes back. And then like, how does that work? Like, 
That is that that was probably the wildest move this summer for me. I still don't understand it from Boston's standpoint. I'm still totally lost on how Kristaps Porzingis fits with that thing. I gotta like, I cannot wait to see that. I have listened to a lot of people tell me how it works for Boston, and as they're talking, I'm like, you guys know that Kristaps isn't that good, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I don't absolutely don't get it from Boston's point. And Marcus Smart, I mean, he was. It's like he felt like he was the heart of that team. Right. Uh, maybe the heart was maybe the heart was worse than we thought, right? Like they did. I mean, it's an interesting thing, right? Because he's they have, one year removed from a DPOY, right? But he also they like you wonder about that. I just go that that one night in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals when they lose by forty, right? Yeah, yeah. I I just go back to that. Like, was it, I, you just don't lose by forty unless there's something internally broken inside of you now they busted through it and fought through it and they fought the rest of the to joe missoula's credit like i actually thought he was dead man walking after that oh yeah yeah like and he got it back together and they pushed miami but maybe there is something like you just don't lose like that unless there's something that has to be changed i i also think that one of the most untalked about storylines in this league the last few years has been the scars of losing we all talk about it from the way that Detroit, you know, fought through eventually to beat Boston and then Chicago beat Detroit. And we all tell that story, but go back to the jazz. Their, their scabs of losing became festering pus filled wounds that they never solved. Go to Phoenix. Their losses became the same festering pus filled wounds. They were not right last year. That's the reason they traded for Kevin Durant is because that group was broken. Go to Boston. Not a lot of losses. Frankly, it, they made the finals early and they seemed to be fine, but evidently there was a feeling that they could not run that back a third time with that. Like, I think that's one of the real stories. Like that's actually, and what's interesting on Denver is that Denver actually has a supernatural progression. If you just take out the Jamal Murray injury, right? They go to the Western conference finals and then Jamal gets like, they win a first round and they lose in the second, they go to the Western Conference Finals, and then Jamal gets hurt, take it out, and then they go to the finals. They, right. they actually have a natural progression. They don't have – they never had a playoff scar in their run because Jamal was hurt, so he just had that out on it. So I, I think that's kind of an untalked-about story of how quickly – like Memphis is getting awfully close. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's another reason to believe in Denver, honestly, because uh, some of the teams that can bounce around, they're in, they're out, and, like, they're trying to, you know, just trade for the next biggest star. You know, Phoenix is the example that we're talking about right now. Like, adding Bradley Beal, like, can we fix what's broken? Can we fix it? Hurry, hurry, and try to put the Band-Aid on before, like, we start gouging blood here. But, like, the the teams that, like, oh, we slowly built, and then we worked our way up, and then we, you know, the first round, the second round, the, fi- the Western Finals, and that team is probably going to have a little bit more time to like hold on and like, you know, fix any like minor injuries on the periphery than a team would that kind of didn't go that way. And we could put, we might be able to put Jordan Poole and Draymond Green into that pool of yep. teams that <laughs> had one too many playoff scars in the midst of a championship, even as much as them. All right, Sarah, you're terrific. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for this much time. Thanks for a great week. I'm glad everyone got to hear you. You do great work. Um, Deseret News, she's on vacation. Let her breathe. And <laughs> make sure you follow uh, and read all of her stuff. It's actually free. She's she and Locked On are the only things that are free and available for you. Wherever That's true. You are. So, Sarah, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you. Thank you for all your great work. I do think you had a. a I started this podcast by saying I thought you had a great year last year. I think I told you during the year, just so people know that, like in fairness, I came up to you I think multiple times last year and said you're killing it, and I appreciate all your work because I I benefit from it. So thank you very much. Yep. Thanks for having me on.
That is Sarah Todd. Go give her a thank you at, at NBA Sarah. Next week, we'll have another one of the interview series. Thank you very much.